Hi, I'm Edward Mullen, author of The Art of the Hustle. You are listening to the Edward Mullen Podcast. For more information about me, my books, or even this podcast, please visit edwardmullen.com. Let's go. We're recording as we speak. All right. So today, what are we talking about? You have a fluff on your nose. It's kind of pissing me off. I like fluff on my nose. It doesn't come off. Oh, guess what's it's happening now? Nose. Guess what's happening now? Our cat is having a poo. So, you wanted to chat about the uh, gender blah 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 blah? You wanted to chat about the... Uh, uh, fuck, what is it called? I don't know, what is it called? Gender... Ambiguity? No, it's not. Well, I guess it's a little bit of a continuation from our last week's topic on gender and gender roles. Gender roles? Reassignment. Gender reassignment. We were talking about gender roles as well. No problem. So one of my friends yesterday mentioned about how there been, I guess more recently, there's parents that decide to raise their children without telling the world what their gender is should i just read this uh sure should i read it okay as a question of broader significance was raised by the case of an eight-year-old los angeles child who is anatomically female but dresses as and wants to be considered a boy his mother tried unsuccessfully to enroll him in a private school as a boy Is it really essential that every human being be labeled male or female in accordance with his or her biological sex? People who cross gender boundaries suffer clear discrimination. Last year, the National Center for Transgender Equality and the National Gay and Lesbian Task Force published a survey that suggested that the unemployment rate among transgender people is double that of other people. In addition, of those respondents who were employed... 90% reported some form of mistreatment at work, such as harassment, ridicule, inappropriate sharing of information about them by supervisors or co-workers, or trouble with access to toilets. Uh, Children who do not identify with the sex assigned to them at birth are in an especially awkward position and their parents face a difficult choice. And mentions here, the Australian government addressed this problem by providing passports with three categories, male, female, and indeterminate. Okay, so here it mentions some parents are resisting the traditional boy or girl question by not disclosing the sex of their child after birth. One couple from Sweden explained that they want to avoid their child being forced into a specific gender mold, saying that it is cruel to bring a child into the world with a blue or pink stamp on their forehead. So Jane McCready, the author of Making Girls and Boys, Inside the Science of Sex, criticizes these couples for for going too far. In the world as it is today, she has a point, because concealing a child's sex will only draw more attention to it. But if such behavior became more common, or even somehow became the norm, would there be anything wrong with it? So, do you think there would be something wrong with this? Well, when I read the article, and the Australian government had the sex on passports as... Uh, male, female, or indeterminate. My initial thought was, what's the purpose of having sex on a passport in the first... What's the purpose of asking sex in anything? Yeah. If it doesn't matter, now... You know what I mean? If, let's, uh, if there's no differential treatment, and now you have an option to be indeterminate... Why have it at all? Why have yeah. it at all? It's probably an archaic system that we haven't really questioned and really updated. 
uh, and the article was talking about we would have that instated to segregate women or to prevent them ac- equal access to things. Mm-hmm. But then yeah. you could determine a lot of cases with the sexes by the name, right? Although I guess it is also becoming much more popular to have um, like gender neutral names or there's so, just women with names that definitely sound like a man's and men that have names that definitely sound like a woman's. Right? Yeah. Well, what about like the um, the prefix? Like if you want to send them a le- somebody a letter, is there like an indeterminate like instead of Mr. or Mrs.? Could you just call them their name? You don't have to give them a, a prefix. I guess you wouldn't, right? But, but that's a really <laughs> silly reason, right? Like, oh, we have to know if you're a male or female because if we ever send you a letter, we'll need to know what to call you. Yeah. Mr. or Mrs. I don't think... Yeah, just take it out, right? I mean, and like it does, you know, it, it mentions in this article that I, I didn't... I skipped that part, but um, how, you know, so many things ask us for what our sex is. Like, you know, you go online and you fill in a little thing. It's going to be one of the questions on there. You know, even when there's like three questions, it's like a lot of times they'll ask if you're male or female. Yeah, I guess the idea is to get like as much data on you so they can market their product to you. I I don't know what you're referring to if you're referring to products, but that could be a piece of information that they use to, you know, determine, well, 80% of our our viewers are female but then if that's true then what actions would you take to modify your advertising campaign to target women Mm -hmm. because it's almost implying that if your uh, demographic is women you're going to use different language or different images or what difference does that make if your target demographic is one sex or the other well yeah so i think that definitely companies do target men or women differently like uh, and that's probably just based on generalizations of um, how different sexes behave, right? And, you know, and on average, like, when you look at, like, all men and then all women, um, there are differences that you'll be able to see between the two genders. But I think, as with, like, most kinds of categorizations, there's much more variation within a certain gender than there are between the genders. Is that true? Yeah. Based on what? Studies that have been what, what done. What studies? Well, I don't remember any off the top of my head, but I always remember learning about this, like, when I did... So you're saying there is some... Dif- there may be some difference, but it's not relevant, considering within a sex, there's also differences that are much yeah. more substantial than... Yeah. Okay, so yeah, if that's true, then that's a really good point. But I yeah, don't with... think that's true. I don't think women are all that different, or men are all that different. I think most men think very similarly. And most women think very similarly. I don't think there's that much difference between in within the gender, within a sex or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Like your study is saying. I don't I don't you necessarily don't buy think that. that. No, I don't. I think that there are a lot of times there are certain things that are true of many women. What do you mean by yeah. many? Like ninety nine percent? I have no idea. I can't really. But if it say, was ninety nine percent, then it doesn't really matter if well, there's some anomaly. Yeah, right? yeah. But I don't. I don't think that you can say that, right? Because like, I know like men and women in general, like they don't. We see the world differently. We react to things differently. You know, a lot of times there are very stereotypical things of like how men are like or how women are like, and a lot of times they are accurate. I think there's still like a lot of people that don't fit in with the norms well i'm not really concerned with a lot of people fit in the norm because there's probably so few right it's like the one percent but i I don't think it is like one percent i think it's 
how what? how much of it well yeah but you don't think you're speculating you have no idea yeah i am I'm so what about the um how much of it is nature versus nurture and I think that's the whole idea behind what some of these people are doing, right? Is that they want to allow their child the opportunity to kind of behave the day, the way they want to and, um, and like, choose how they want to act or react or what they like or and not having people impose that on them, right? And I think that's their idea is that so much of how, who we are is because of the way that people treat us, right? And right from, um, you know, very young babies, like people want to know if you're a boy or a girl. It's one of the first questions they ask. They'll yeah. always ask. And if and when it's ambiguous, like, or even when you're like out on the street and if there's someone that you can't tell for sure if it's a man or a woman, you're gonna like bring it up, right? It's something you'll be like, hey, is that a, a guy or a girl? Like, it's something that we don't feel comfortable with not knowing whether or not someone is like a dude or a chick. Yeah, that's Because we that's don't, true. it's like, I guess we do automatically based on what sex we think people are treat them a certain way then, you know, to a certain extent, right? What do you mean? Um, How would you treat a female versus a male i don't know just like i think the way that you interact with them is different like I, i'm pretty sure the way if you saw me talking to a girl and then you saw me talking to a guy i think there would be differences in that like subconsciously not like i'm doing it i'm purposely doing it but i i'm i'm pretty sure that you would be able to pick out some kind of so what is your point because what it sounds like you're saying is that there's some subconscious programming that makes you react one way to another. So it really doesn't matter. And you're doing this largely on visual cues. Rather, yeah. uh, So basically, if you raise a bunch of people, the article talked about if you raise a kid that's you know sexually ambiguous, then it actually could cause the kid more problems because it draws more attention to them. Yeah. And then the rebuttal to that is that, well, if everybody did it, then mm -hmm. it wouldn't cause that much attention because it would be normal. Yeah. So then it would be a positive thing because these kids be growing up with um, without these kind of restrictions on them. Yet you and other people would still treat them differently based on their looks. So it doesn't really matter what gender they are. But I guess the thing is now, like, we don't know what they are. I, I think I was reading this in a different article about the Canadian couple that are raising their child gender ambiguous or whatever, gender neutral. I don't know what the term is, but um, they actually have two sons that they had before this baby. And they let their sons choose what kind of clothes they wear and how they want to do their hairstyle. And apparently at least one of the sons off likes to wear dresses and have long hair maybe. And so he will often get mistaken for a girl. But he, he wants people to know that he's a guy, but he likes to wear dresses and have long hair. Yeah, there's actually an optical illusion that I saw. Two faces, uh, this androgynous face and... Uh, he put them side by side and he adjusted the contrast so the female, uh, you know, these images looked like they're perceived as male and female. But what he did was just played with the contrast so the female had light skin, dark lips, and the male had dark skin, light lips. If you played with the contrast of the, the those two things, then it created the illusion that uh, the face was either male or female. So, you know, like we are going to judge them based on how they look and we're going to treat them a certain way. But I, I think a lot of how we judge 
people's gender. Yeah, it's based on how they look. So just the way they dress and and the length of their hair, right? So, I mean, there's some people that are like really masculine and there are some people that are very feminine so you look at them even if they're dressed like kind of ambiguous if the dude has long hair like there's there are people that you're like okay well definitely that's a guy even though he has long hair right right so are you saying that you can't draw any hardened conclusions based on a person's appearance so let's say this guy comes in for a job and you're the hiring manager he's six three uh, broad shoulders uh, but he's wearing a dress and has pigtails. Are we not supposed to draw any conclusions about this guy's personality, you know, if he's applying for a job? You know, a type of person that would go against the norm like that might be a loose cannon, might be hard to follow rules or follow structure in a work environment, might be um, a little bit of a rebel who's trying to, you know... Or it could be that he was just born with the wrong body, and maybe since he was four, no, he no, no, but identified say he... as female and but aren't you saying earlier how there was people that um dr- you're two boys he wants everyone to know he's a boy but he dresses in dresses and long hair yeah this, imagine this, this guy, guy comes in for a job and you're the hiring manager i mean he talks like a man he is uh, heterosexual he's uh into male things whatever that means and but he just he's he just, he likes... just likes to dress like a um yeah so like the other day you brought this up about how in um in thailand there's all these lady boys that's what they're called right lady boys, lady boys. Yeah. and you're like you know what is it is it that in thailand there's just this um really large number of men that desire to dress like women and um, and I, I said, I don't think it's so much that there's a greater number of or percentage of men that have this desire. It's probably more just that for some reason there, it's more accepted and it's not, it's like, it's their thing, right? Like, and so if you want it to be that, there's a lot less stigma around it. And there's like, because there are so many of it, it's a bit of a... I don't know, you know, what caused what or how it happened or, you know, at what point in time has there always been a lot of them or, you know, if it just grew to that that size. But I think possibly like, you know, here it's just, or in North America, it's not really accepted, right? Proportionally speaking, do you think that if the stigma was not there in the United States or Canada, you'd have the same percentage of people uh, dressing or being ladyboys in North America than they do in Thailand? Or is it because Thailand's a third world country, so you have, it's an opportunity to make money? Like what percentage of ladyboys are straight that just do that for economic reasons? And because there's some sort of prestige to be this glamorous, you get to be in shows and, you know, it's a little bit better than Mm -hmm. being a fisherman's son or something, right? Uh, I think there's a lot there. Like, I don't think we would be able to say, right? Because one is just, yes, the um, the uh, judgment that you would have, like, by doing that. Like, if it was really accepted here and it was normal and people did it, yeah, then, then obviously I would think there would be more people that are doing it. The thing is, like, when people become really desperate, they're going to do things that they wouldn't otherwise oh for do, sure right so so it's, i think it's really hard to separate that like whether or not what the percentage would be like i, I have no idea whether or not it. but would if you had to guess you'd you'd assume that at least some of them are doing it for for financial reasons right that they're completely 
heterosexual. I, I would guess so. And that, had they had but, more opportunities, they wouldn't do that. But I don't know, because it's it's a pretty... I don't know, I haven't been to Thailand, so I don't really know what it's like. Like, what... I've been there. There's so many of them. And they're... Ladyboys do everything. They're prostitutes, they're in shows, they're tour guides, they're everywhere. And they're very open about it. Yeah, so, I mean, like, I, I guess that's the thing, is when it becomes so such so normal, it's almost just like dressing up as a clown or something, right? Or, you know, just putting on a costume. The big it. difference, I'm not an expert on Thai culture or anything, but the big difference, what I see is that they don't seem to have a lot of judgment. You know, they're pretty friendly people. They take mm-hmm. you as you come. They don't judge you, whereas in Western society, there's a lot of judgment. So, yeah. so if you have a, a, a culture that from what i know and i know next to nothing uh, but um they don't seem to place a lot of value on like this macho image Mm -hmm. so you're you know let's say a five foot five thai male and all it requires is taking a little bit of hormones to get some breasts or to thicken out your hips or something like that a westerner probably wouldn't want to change their body image like that but it's not like the thais or some at least some of them are not going to uh, for surgery they take this hormone, they become slender, but that's not really that big a deal because the society won't judge them and there's not a lot of weight put on the the physical strength of your of your image, right? Yeah. So then, and there's probably So then you put it put in that culture and mix in the fact that you're poor and the fact that, you know, there's a there's an industry based around this. I could see a lot of people doing it. Yeah. But don't the ladyboys have to do? I, I, I don't think, think they're just dancing in shows. Like so I, I went to one of the ladyboy shows, and the and the and the, the the performers are quite attractive. So maybe the best of the best get to be in that show. Yeah. And then if you're an average looking ladyboy, you have to work the streets, which is kind of the lower rung. But yeah. maybe they have to do that to work up to the big show. But I think like if you're working the street, I'm not, I'm pretty sure that like you'd have to get pretty desperate to do that. Not and I'm thinking there probably are a lot of people that there are, are very people that are desperate. But you know the thing is that happens here as well. You know, like um, I remember. But there... it's more here. It's more because they're addicted to drugs or mental mental health. We have a huge percentage of mental patients in this country. It seems like it, at least in this city, right? Um, well, there we are, happen to but live I across don't... the street from a mental psych or like a what's it called the psych ward psychiatric hospital. Yes, or yeah, psych. The psych unit but of a very If you large go down hospital. to like the downtown east side, it's really apparent. Like almost as soon as you cross the street, yeah. it's crazy people. There's so many of them. They're everywhere. There are. I know, and I, I mean, I interact with a lot of these people in hospital, right? Like, um, they told you about how uh, their um, one of my friends that works in Toronto was telling me how when they. Um, when they have patients in, in the hospitals there and they don't know what to do with them because they're like, you know, they don't have anywhere to live and they don't have any money and they're trying to plan for their discharge, they will actually pay for a ticket, a, a bus ticket for them to come to Vancouver. And that's their plan. Like, that's how they get them out of their system. So they And that's be- legal? Apparently, I was appalled at this. I'd never heard anything about it. So, but I guess it's true because, you know, my friends are actually working there and this is what. But you can't keep a secret like that. I mean, obviously, people from Vancouver, like the the mayor in Vancouver is going to find out. They're going to make a call to the mayor of Toronto, which is going to make a call to the hospital and they're going to come down on them really hard. 
Yeah, but the thing is, no, the, the people, think, the right? thing is that the apparently the patients have to say they're either from Vancouver or want to go there, and they're helping them by sending them a, a ticket area, there. Right? It is, right? And the thing is that um, they don't want to have to deal with these people, right? But realistically... For a homeless person, it's much nicer being in Vancouver than Toronto, right? Why can't they say they they're from California? Apparently, I that's, go to California. that costs too much. Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea what the whole like system is or whatever, right? But the the other thing is, it's they can't go across America. I mean, you need a passport or whatnot, and you can't go and move there. You're like they're just yeah, gonna kick true. you out, right? So they have to keep them in so that's in the, the nicest, country. And Vancouver Vancouver's is, the nicest spot. Vancouver is like the mildest has the mildest winters of in Canada, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I don't see anywhere else that's milder. Yeah. So so we end up with like all this riffraff from like around that. Yeah, and they end up in the downtown country. east side, which is beautiful. That neighborhood, mm-hmm. like it, it doesn't look beautiful if you drive there, but from like a developer standpoint, yeah. that's prime, prime, prime real estate. It's right by the water, mm-hmm. right convenient in front of everything, except it's just run down with down and outs people are just down and out and i think like you know once you get in that area it's so it's really hard to get out right you're like poor and then you're surrounded by all these people that are like you know have issues and are 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 angry or whatever and well it's not necessarily that it's the it's economics more than anything because if you can only afford 200 dollars a month in rent there's only one spot in town where you can get a place for 200 bucks a month i don't think it you can even get it for 200 bucks a month now. You said that yesterday. It was 200. No, I said it's like 300 something. <laughs> oh, whatever. I think 300. It's like 300 something. If you get a you one bedroom a- apartment in this city, you're paying pro- if you're not like grandfathered in, you have like this really awesome deal. You're probably paying 1100, right? Well, Cuz yeah, cuz bachelors well, go for I like 950. Yeah. You're not getting anything less than that. Maybe if you, a little bit further out of Yeah, the city, I mean, you but... could get something in a little bit, but it, it's it's not it's going to be pretty crappy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, this city is ridiculously expensive to live in. Do you think the advantages of living in a city outweigh the cost of living in a city? To accurately assess that, you would need to know what it's like to live in other places, right? So you can compare it. I've lived in lots of other places. Yeah, as I've lived in other places as well, right? Um, like so, But I haven't lived in all the places. Like from... Um, well, what are you saying? You have to live in every single city. No, in the world? but I mean, like the thing is, the, the what's the appeal of Vancouver is that you know, or what the things that I like about it is we've got you know beaches like real beaches with an actual ocean, not like fake lake beaches, um, and we have the rainforest. Um, like the mountains are, it's so close. Like we can go snowboarding in the winter time. We can like go. Yeah, and we can hang out at the beach in the summertime, even though our summers aren't that great, but sometimes they're pretty nice. They're pretty good. Lately, like the last three years, you were in London, weren't you? Yeah. Uh, They were really, really hot for a long time. There's no rain. Yeah. I mean, last year, I heard the the summer came really late, but like when I was here, it was really nice. I, I thought the weather was great. Um from july till september but i mean um okay so and it's you... close to you know america or whatever like i don't know that there are other places that have this like the same kind of accessibility to nature I'm, I'm not even saying that you have to live in places but i just don't know enough about like world geography or whatever like i would think that other places that have 
similar um, access to water and mountains will also be quite expensive to live in. The problem with Vancouver, which is that most other places, if they are really expensive to live in, people make more money there, right? Like, yeah, living in London, it's more expensive. Like, a lot of things are more expensive there than are here. Although, I will argue, like, I'll tell you that there are lots of things that are actually cheaper if you just know where to look there. But I make way more money working there than I do here, right? So when you compare like the cost of living there versus the cost of living here, I would rather live there because it's so much more affordable, right? But, you know, for me, like London is a bit too much big city. What's the population? I don't know. Billions. No, I have no idea. It's... It's... It re- it's really big, though. It's but that means nothing to me. Really big means nothing. Let's Google it. Uh, like it makes Vancouver look like a village, literally. Like population of London. Um. So London's thirteen million. How many people are in like all of Canada? Thirty million. Is it? Yeah. Vancouver's like the metro Vancouver is like two million. Look at these pictures on Wikipedia of Vancouver. This place looks beautiful. Well, it is. Who wouldn't want to live here? here? But it's freaking expensive to live here. It's population of the city of Vancouver, which is yeah, but that but that doesn't really mean yeah. anything because their well, city is small. The thing, metro is two million. Yeah, two metro, million. Us. They're thirteen million. That's quite a big difference. That's six times as many people, right? Wow. You know, you walk down in central London and there's just like, I remember I'd get off work and be trying to meet my friends somewhere for dinner or whatever. And I'm like running late and there's so many people on the sidewalk that I can't walk as fast as I would like to because there are too many people on the streets. And this is just a random weekday, right? In like Vancouver downtown, I remember coming back here and it's like midweek and I walk down the street and there is no one there's like two people on like on the streets in every direction that i look like but that that's why london can afford to pay their workers more there's more people how does that make sense well it makes sense because if you have let's say like a pizzeria downtown and it's in london you have 13 million people that pass by your shop but if you live in vancouver then the foot traffic is will be way less in a small village, for example, that has 100 people, only if 10% of those people want pizza, then it's going to be very small. 10% of 13 million is a much greater number. You can afford to you get more uh, revenue. You can afford to hire more staff, pay them extra money. and But it's the whole like, supply and demand thing. There's probably way more pizzerias in London, though, as there are in a small village. And I'm just going to give an, another example. like In like Scandinavia... Right, there's way less people that live out there, but they get paid so much more. Like I remember, like when I was in Norway, I was just like, how do people afford to live here? Because everything is so expensive. It'd be like forty dollars for like an appetizer at like in you know Canadian dollars. Yeah, Canadian dollars for like a nice-ish restaurant, right? And like I. And when we were in Norway, we'd have to buy, like, potato salad from the deli shop and, like, spread that onto buns. And that was what we ate because we... And then we'd go to McDonald's because we couldn't afford to eat at a restaurant. 
Not that we couldn't, but, Where is you this? know, it was Norway? just, yeah, it was just so expensive. But and that we has had, everything to do with the Norway um, economy, where they're maybe not printing as much money. We met a girl from, that was a Norwegian girl, and she told us that she worked at a meat packing, like a chick, frozen chicken packing shop or something like that. She just processed frozen chicken, and she said she made a ton of money. So that's why it's affordable to live there because you make a lot of money even though you're doing some menial job, right? Like, and I think most places, if it costs a lot to live there, your wages reflect that. But in Vancouver, it isn't true. What about in Toronto? I'm not sure what the difference in wages are, but I think the cost of living in Toronto, things are cheaper there. I don't know. I think like in terms of rent, it's probably fairly similar now. But food, like groceries, is way cheaper there than it is in Vancouver. Vancouver has the most expensive groceries. Why is that? that I Why have is no it's... idea. I don't know. Does it have anything to do with the lack of industry here? Whereas a lot of people, the reason why it's so expensive here is because there's a lot of foreigners that come here and jack up the price to everything. They buy a bunch of houses, inflate the housing market. Uh, they're buying a bunch of cars, and uh, yet they don't produce anything. I don't know because no big I mean, they're still here, they're right? spending money, right? Like, and you'd think that if they're spending money, that they generate. Yeah, some people are getting that money. You know, the Lexus dealerships and BMW dealerships—they're getting that money, but it's not trickling down. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm not sure why food costs so much here. When I came back here, I was surprised at how expensive everything was. I mean, other than going to No Frills, and sometimes things are like really cheap. Can you give me an example of an average basket of goods? Like, how much are bananas here versus there? How much are um, something that we buy. can compare? Like, how, what um, about like a Coke or something? Like, like a lot of things are fairly comparable, but like there, you know, if I went to like the markets and bought my vegetables i can get a basket of almost any kind of vegetable for a pound which is like a dollar 60 let's say i can get like a whole basket of lemons or limes or like 15 lemons um you know those silver stainless steel bowls we fought i don't know how big that is Um, so what you're saying is around 15 but you can get like 15 lemons and limes for a dollar 60 how How much much do lemons cost here here? three for a dollar okay you know, it will cost you, and that's like on sale, three for a dollar. It's like sometimes it's like two for a dollar. Where are those coming from? Lemons? Yeah. Uh, in California? I have no idea. <laughs> I remember I bought like a bag of, you could get like bags of like carrots or like onions, and it'll be like 50 pence, which is like 80 cents or something okay, like that. Okay, okay, okay. So we we understand that it's cheaper to live in London, but the downside <laughs> not is not necessarily, but the downside yeah. is that you have to live in London and there's 14 million people there and yeah. it's old. Most parts are old, really old. Um, there's probably more crime. They don't have access to mountains. They don't have access to well, I think ocean. the main thing is like the not, the like so lack original, of access to nature. Yeah. My original question is, is it, is it worth it? And I think that's the thing. It depends on what you value, right? A lot of people are... I think that for someone to want to live in Vancouver, you have to value nature to make it worth it. Uh, Like, if you don't take advantage of um, the mountains or, like, the beaches or the trails or whatever, you know, if you don't take advantage of that, it it wouldn't make it worth it to live in Vancouver, right? Because what do we have? Well, what about the opportunities? Like, in terms of Canadian cities... Uh, there's not a lot of there opportunities in, uh, we have maybe 12 big cities. Um, and if you wanted to live in Kelowna, which is beautiful, 
uh, it might be difficult for you to get a job there. It's as, really as difficult anything. to get a job in Vancouver, though. Why? Because... Uh, so much competition? Yeah, there's a lot of Everyone's educated here? I would think so, right? There is a lot more opportunity. Like, if you go to Toronto, there's more opportunities there in terms of... Okay, so you can't get a job, and if you do get a job, you're not making enough money to afford anything, but you get clean air and mountains, which you can't really afford to ski or snowboard (laughs) down, and then you have mountain bike trails, which are kind of cool. We have access to Whistler, which is expensive, Um, access to the ocean, which is kind of cool to look at, but it it provides a beach, which is kind of dirty. So when you break it all down, like how many people are, um, let me rephrase that. So it, are you just living here because you grew up here or and your friends are here and you've established a network and you don't think about it? Like, why aren't more people not living in smaller places? Is it is it because this is like a multicultural and the mentality is more accepting? I think you're going to have to ask each person individually why they're here. I mean, uh, hey, the only reason I'm here is because my parents are here, right? Well, the reason I'm here is because I think that it would provide me more opportunities and I find that the mentality of people are much more accepting. You can be yourself here. Not that I'm walking around with pink hair or anything like that, but you know, when you go to, I grew up in a lot of small towns and it's hard to get away with much. Everyone's kind of this cookie cutter personality. Everyone has this kind of closed mind thinking. Not I've said not saying everybody, yeah. but a lot of people are like that. And uh a lot of people are, you know, quick to kind of show you up and be macho and so I think the difference between us is you. This is the biggest city you've lived in. This is the smallest city I've lived in. If you go, the bigger you get, go, the more, like, you know, like the less people are really looking at you, kind of judging you because there's they don't care, right? You're just like one in a bajillion people. Like, okay, right, but th- that's it. Yeah, okay, that's my point though. There's going to be even re- more opportunity, like more acceptance. The bigger the city you go. Yes, I understand that. My my point was actually going the opposite way. Why wouldn't you go down to a smaller town that has a ski resort and a movie theater and a Costco and there's less people and everything's cheaper? Well, I think that th- for one thing, I don't think things are necessarily cheaper in smaller places because a lot of times you pay a premium for because it does take longer to transport there. Another thing is, like, for me, as a minority, it, there definitely Who's a minority? is me. Like, as, as what? Being Asian. Like, in Vancouver, I'm not a minority. But if I go to a small town, I am, right? Like, and, well, I, I don't, I haven't, you know, really experienced this here. But, like, when I was living in London, like, there was one time when I went up to this small smaller city and it seemed like a really nice little town or whatnot right but like the only asian people were the ones that ran the chinese restaurant you know there were no there's no asian people there i went to this party it was like my friend's friend's party and i was it, it, there were like a hundred people there i was the only asian person and there were two black people and everyone else at that party was white so what's your point and no one talked to me okay it was like i okay, was okay but you weird, go to a party you know? here and everybody's asian how many of them talk to you well i'm saying that this was like a it was a girl's birthday party right and i go to parties stranger, and like, nobody talks to me it's, it's no it was like I, I like and i've been to places where i get stared at or like maybe they think you're attractive well no i don't think so it's because i'm like weird and like 
Like I'm just saying that. that well, I do. That's your know insecurity. That. You think that they're looking at well, you. Well, they, they do. Like your hat, or maybe they no. Like your... Okay. Well, I've been to places where yes, maybe it is because they think I'm attractive, but also because they think I'm exotic. You know, there's like. How do you know that? When people are like shouting at you're you exotic no i don't know because i don't understand like in the place i've been to i don't understand the language they're speaking in but like i'm saying there are other places where i am a minority and i wouldn't feel as comfortable being there because people do look at you differently people do treat you differently because of the color of my skin and the shape Your skin of my is eyes white. No, mine is, my skin is is a very nicely tanned shade of yellow. <laughs> you're yellow. I'm yellow. You're, I'm yellow. You're dark. I'm, you're, you're, I need some yellow. Well, whatever. Yellow you're not person. yellow. No, but I mean, like, I, I have fairly dark skin for an Asian person. But I'm just saying, like, you know, because of my, my hair, like, the color and texture of it and the shape of my eyes and whatnot, like, people... People treat you differently based on that, right? I mean, like how people treat males versus females differently in other places where it's not as common to have, you know, like Asian people. Like they will, there there are differences, right? Like I went to a small town in Turkey once and I had children pointing at me. I've never, ever experienced anything like that before. But these kids, like, like, you know, they did it. I think they were just really... Um, curious because they had these big smiles on their faces and were really seemed really excited and they were like pulling at their mom's jackets and being like look at her and like pointing at me and I'm just like okay maybe they thought you were attractive well they're they're little kids but I think it was just doesn't matter they haven't seen they haven't seen anyone like me apparently I don't know I guess I can't say for sure the reason for that and like when I was in Serbia I got I I thought it was because I was Chinese but then they told me that there was actually 50,000 Chinese people in in Belgrade or in like the greater Belgrade area and it was because there were no attractive Chinese people and I was like how can there be 50,000 Chinese people and like and I stood up so much apparently that like you know, I, I seriously felt like a celebrity when I was there. Yeah, I know what you mean. I went to Thailand and Korea, and I have never experienced... It, it felt like being a celebrity, like you said. It's like, you know, I'd have... On Thailand, I'd be walking the beach, and, you know, little kids would be grabbing their mom and pointing at me, and, you know, uh, parents would come up to me and, and introduce me to their kids, and I'd have people stop me in the lobby for, you know, at the hotel and get pictures with me. Um, then when I was in Korea, I had like a group of, uh, school kids come up to me and, 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 uh, they're just, you know, gawking at me and, and touching me and taking pictures and trying to speak English to me. And then I'd try to speak a little bit of Korean to them and they'd all start laughing. And I was like the Sasquatch over there. It's like, and then on the street, like girls, like really attractive women, uh, would come up to me and would be you know, flirting with me and then at the clubs they would all come up to me and, you know, introduce themselves and I had guys coming up to me asking me to come meet their friends and yeah, it was really strange. It's like have you never seen a white person before? They're we're everywhere. So yeah, that was definitely weird. I don't know if it's like that anymore. 
it, it was a constant like men shouting things at me like if I went out at night and you know when I got stared at all the time like I'd be on the bus and the guy that's sitting right next to me is just full-on has his head turned towards me and is staring at me for the entire ride you know and it's like they don't uh, have manners there um no and also some of the people are they're gypsies and they're like what does that mean well, I don't know exactly what they define as that, but it's these people that are the lowest rung of society. They're like darker skinned and they were, they're very poor and they're looked down on. Um, and because of that, they, it's like they have nothing to lose. So they, they'll just do whatever. So like, I had boys, like, or like teenage boys, like they will, like I walk past and they touch me or they put their hand on my leg and try to like grab my ass and stuff. And there's just no, like, for them, it's like, you know, what's the worst that's going to happen to them? They're already, like, at the lowest rung of society, right? Who knows? Yeah. Whereas, you know, here, I'm in Vancouver. It's just like, I'm, I blend in, right? No one's going to look twice at me unless I'm wearing my yellow construction bicycle helmet. Um, like, yeah, like, and it's, it's very different living somewhere where you're not a minority or you're not, you know, where other people are like you. I talk too much. Don't worry about it. It's a podcast. You're supposed to talk a lot. All right. Well, do you want to wrap this thing up? Is there anything more you want to say? Any more stories about Serbia or or London? Hey. Thank you for listening to the Edward Mullen podcast. If you enjoyed it, you might want to check out my book, The Art of the Hustle, available on Amazon. To learn more about me and the book and even this podcast, please visit www.edwardmullen.com.